It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to grab more water. Give me two seconds. I am also drinking wine. Don't worry. I haven't changed. Episode 97 of There Is No Offseason, a baseball prospectus daily podcast focusing solely on Fantasy Keeper and Dynasty League formats. That's actually not true anymore. I'm your host, Ben Carsley of the BP Fantasy Team, and I am joined by BP's managing editor, Brett Sayer, and BP's minor league editor, Craig Goldstein. Uh, Craig, on a scale from one to great job, how good a job did we do of recording another podcast before the new year was over? I think we did a great job. If nothing else, we gave the people what they've come to expect at this point. Yeah, I think we've delivered. And in in this administration of Tino, I think we've done monumental things that, that the biased press is not acknowledging. And I think we did a great job. Some people are calling it a performance. You know, I call it work. Well, people are really saying that more and more is definitely yes. the thing. Yes. Yes. Uh, Brett, on a scale from one to you just resigned Jay Bruce, how happy are you that we're all, <laughs> we're all here tonight? I'm I'm so happy. I love you guys. That's great. Love us enough to. Okay, I'm just gonna. I Ben and I, Brett. I, I don't remember if we talked to you about it before, but it, it amazes me every time. And if you saw Twitter, you'll know it. But how old is Jay Bruce? Jay Bruce is 31 years old. He, I believe, he's actually only 30, and it's astonishing to me because he's. Has he inherited the dad mantle? He has the face of a mailman from 1964. I feel like he's is. I I know people were going with Adam Lind as dad, but his beard. He he's like biker dad at this point with his weird chin yeah. beard. It's, it's. I feel like it's Jay Seth, Bruce is most. Seth oh, Seth Smith. That's what it is, right? The only person in organized baseball who looks older than Jay Bruce is Brady Aiken. <laughs> <laughs> Brady Aiken could be Jay. His Bruce. 401k looks phenomenal though. <laughs> it's probably true. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so welcome back to Tino. Uh, we have some good news for you tonight. Uh, the first bit of good news is a little bit technical, but uh, it's that 97 episodes in, we figured out how to adjust our microphone settings. Um, so none of your three hosts had any idea, basically, what the buttons on the back of our Yeti microphones did. Um, and thanks to our producer, George, we have now learned that it should be set to the heart and not to, as Brett eloquently put it, the two circles uh, in Congress with each other. So uh, hopefully the audio quality is a little bit better tonight. And then the second bit of good news is that 97 episodes into Tino, uh, we think we finally figured out what we actually want Tino to be. 
So as one or two of you may have noticed and may even have pointed out to us on Twitter once or twice over the years, um, there has indeed been a, a few off seasons here and there. And that's largely because it's impossible to talk about uh, Dynasty Baseball every week and have it always be interesting for an hour. Uh, and frankly, it's not exactly what we want to do and what we're probably the best geared to do either. So what we're promising is that going forward, at least one and usually two sections of every podcast will be about Dynasty Baseball. But we are also going to mix in some other stuff. We're going to mix in some real baseball. Uh, we're going to mix in some goofy segments. If Craig gets married again, we might devote an entire segment to that. So definitely yeah, still a uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely still a dynasty baseball theme for you, and that's always going to be the core of what we're bringing you. But in the interest of uh, trying to keep our interest a little higher, and hopefully by doing that, getting you guys more episodes, we're going to be mixing up the subject matter uh, just a little bit. And uh, there's a really it, – honestly, it's just the best time for us to make this announcement because this is the time of year we have the most Dynasty stuff to talk about. So after that big disclaimer, uh, I would imagine the next several episodes are still going to be very, very Dynasty heavy. Uh, and that starts with this episode because we have both Brett's top 50 Dynasty signees for 2018 columns to talk about as well as the first uh, positional series list to talk about, which – of course, is Catcher. So uh, basically moving forward, each section will be hosted by a different person in the podcast and will rotate as we move through. But first up for episode 97 is Craig, uh, and Craig is going to take us through Brett's top 50 Dynasty signees list. Yeah, so I'm going to start right at the top. Uh, I think it's a discussion we've had already, but I think we've also gotten some clarification on how these guys are playing out. What you have Otani 1 and Keston Hira 2. I know you really love Hira. How big was the gap there, Brett? It's it's a little bit bigger than you would think based on how much you know I love Hira. Um, I, I think I think Otani is... I mean, one, Otani is just so much younger than the players we're used to seeing come over from Japan. And he's also more talented than the players we're used to seeing come over from Japan. So it's it's kind of you know it's kind of thing where we don't we don't know exactly how Otani's talent is going to play out. Um, he would have been first on this list if he had uh, if he had no prospects of hitting in the majors. Um, but with that extra bit, I mean the 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 additional chance that the Angels screw up his development somehow by trying to do a two way uh, a two way protocol is. Um, is outweighed by you know just the even slightly more ceiling that he has. I mean we've we've we have heard how he's going to be used in fantasy leagues from a couple of different providers. Um, he's generally going to be one player who has uh, both offense and pitching eligibility, and then you can just use him one place in a given scoring period. Um, there are some places that are going to split him into two, which I think is kind of crazy, but. Um, you know, such as such as life. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's ranked he's ranked both he's ranked number one both just as a pitcher and as the Otani that we know and are excited about. And Ben, in terms of his split value, like I, I it's it's less about second guessing Brett, but like how how do you see Otani being valued? Um, you know, I know we're, we're going to get to this in, in another episode, but we're, we're all in uh, the RDI, the Rotowire Dynasty League. He went in, 
uh, what was it, the third round in that? It, was that about right for you? How are you valuing him? No, well, first of all, let me just say how happy I am to get a chance to talk about Shohei Otani on this podcast. Uh, I feel like it's <laughs> something we've we've never done before. Maybe we can follow this up with some Kyle Schwarber and Xander Bogarts talk. Um, I think that was too high for Otani, frankly, but I still agree that Otani is the overall top dynasty uh, uh, prospect for the out of the 2018, not the top dynasty prospect in this list. I believe that he is the top guy uh, just because of his upside on the mound and the fact that he does have multiple paths to value. And the fact that while, um, you know, Hira and Robert and Lewis are are very solid dynasty prospects, you know, none of those guys are, are, are elite names in my eyes. Um, so I think the third round is definitely too high because that means he went around pick what, like 50 or 60. That's not where I'd be taking him. But I also think that reasonably, um, you know, if you're looking to get him much past that, you're just not going to get him because someone is going to value him around there. Yeah, yeah I think he was actually. Like, I, I think he was 40s actually in the 40s, right? Three or 44. It yeah, was a. I, in my head, it was 43, but I, I was just pulling it up. But um, yeah, I'm going to be the dissenting voice on on him. I, I think several episodes ago, which is now six months, uh, I, I actually preferred him to Hira just because of the time to impact. He's going to be here immediately. I. My my words of caution, my cold water that I'm throwing on this is not that I doubt his talent, but he barely got to pitch recently. So I, I'm worried about how much value he's actually providing in the near term on the mound, how many innings he's actually going to be able to throw. There is a UCL issue. It's I mean, I th- you know, they're going to live with it. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. But it, it's just adding a little more risk to the situation. And, uh, you know, I don't know how how they're going to use him as a bat or how that's going to translate. I actually think as things play out, he might have more value as a, as a bat than on the mound. But, you know, I'm probably going to look foolish for saying that. So that's my cold water on that. Um, Brett, Luis Robert and Royce Lewis feel like two different flavors of the shruggy guy to me. Is is that how you saw them? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they both kind of have the same the same vibe, right? I mean, they're, they're kind of five-tool guys, I think uh, – Neither of them has huge power potential. Both of them are more speed-based than power-based. Um, Everyone but, has power potential right now, Brett. What was that? Everyone has power potential in these days. Well, I guess. But if everyone has power potential, then no one has power potential. I'm getting real existential here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, you know, they both did the whole, you know, really great performance at a really young age. You know, Royce Lewis came out and was uh, was just phenomenal in his pro debut. Um, whereas, uh, Roberts was, you know, unbelievable in Cuba before he left as a 17 year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, I, I think some of that gets a little forgotten because he didn't really get a chance to do much in 2017, but, um, but he is a, uh, he is a prospect who has proven a lot at a young age and i'm really excited to see what he's going to do in uh, in 2018 as he gets a you know a real shot at a uh you know a full season assignment whatever whatever it might be yeah i think he's the guy and this is maybe from my experience as on on the on the um IRL prospect list, if we want to call it that, the top 101, and, and even on the White Sox top 10, that we just have so little feel for, you know, because we haven't seen him at all, uh, and he hasn't been been stateside really. That you know, he could he could be 
near the top of that list. He could he could be someone who would challenge Hira just because he's a five tool guy, you know, um, or be a lot closer to Otani, or when we look back on this in a while, be the top guy just because. But we don't know yet. It, you know what I mean? Yep, exactly. Yeah, I am um, in my my very very rough draft of the Dynasty Top One Hundred One. I actually do have uh, I do have Roberta ahead of uh, ahead of Hira. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily crazy. It's just, um, you know, it, it's how you how you value risk, right? Yeah, no, uh, it, it was close. It was close for me. I mean, that's not it. Hero was closer to to Robert than um, than he was to Otani. Otani. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. Um, you guys, I came. I just, I, I came so close to calling him Robert. It was just so close. No, you and did. Just, well, you did the first time. Oh, I did the first time. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, you know. I'll take fifty percent at this point. It's you know, new year, new Tino. I was trying to turn over a new leaf and not call you on it, but here we are. <laughs> Kent and I are true selves. Um, so Ben, uh, I lobbied hard for for us in RDI to draft the this next guy. T- tell me why I love Joe Adele Joe Adele so much. He's a toolsy outfielder with low probability but star upside. That's that's it. That's the whole Frankly, thing. the only thing that's missing is that he's not a ranger. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to it because I like the Rangers version of this too. So oh, I'm we'll sure you to, do. <laughs> we'll we'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, Brett, he was the last guy in this tier. What's separating him? What what made him the bottom of this tier? Basically, what's the separation there? I, I think it's the I think it's the risk with the hit tool, and I think it's how the hit tool plays in with everything else. Um, I think I think both Lewis and and Robert. And especially here, um, you know, I think you could, I think you could envision all of them having at least a, you know, at least a plus hit tool. Um, I think Adele is going to have a harder time even getting to, you know, above average. But I mean, if he's, if he has an average hit tool, the the power and the speed is going to, is going to play through tremendously. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there it's, it's a riskier profile, um, but the payoff, you know, the payoff with Adele, I think, is slightly higher than with um, than with any uh, with them with the two guys directly ahead of yeah, them. Robert and Lewis. Yep. Yeah. No, that makes that makes sense. Um, yeah. So we have a gap. We have our first gap. That's the top tier. The next guy is someone who's gotten. I, I have not heard a bad word about him since he's been drafted by the Padres. Mackenzie Gore, um, he, he's a lanky lefty, three pitches. Why? He, so he's the he's the top arm who doesn't have a, a bat f- fallback. Um, why is he over someone like the top overall pick uh, in Hunter Green, Brett? Yeah, I you know I like I like Gore's overall. Uh, overall skill set better than I like Green's. I mean, Green has the flashy velocity, and he's got the you know he's got the flashy smile to go with it. It it it's a you know Green is a really really good prep pitching prospect, um, but uh, Mackenzie Gore has the has the the you know the fastball has the breaker has the has the advanced pitchability for a prep pitcher. And he's left-handed, and it's just uh, you know you you can see you can see the eventual ceiling coming into coming into clearer view than I think you can with Green, 
And, um, you know, generally with prep arms, it is about upside, but Gore, I, I think Gore's upside is really not that much different than Green's. And uh, given given that he's in, yeah, given the organizations and, and given, um, you know, and, and given how quickly I think they could move. I, I think Gore is going to be a faster mover than, than green. I, he, he gets the, uh, he gets the edge for me. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I don't have any real disagreements. Ben, t- talk to me why Gore is a risk this high. I mean, Brett compares him to Jay groom. Jay groom had a rough first season. Um, I mean, you're the guy that we turn to for, for pitching warnings. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, first of all like to take this opportunity to point out that it's pronounced Grom. I'm not dealing um, with that. That's, yeah. I'm not doing this Boston thing. It's room, not rum. It's I'm not dealing with it. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't think you want me to explain why prep pitchers are so risky. I don't. Um, I mean, he has all the makings of. God, this is difficult to phrase. Out out of all the pitchers with his profile, I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say that he is a little bit safer, but that still makes him very risky, if that makes sense. Um, So I have no problem at all with Brett putting him first. I really like Hunter Green. Um, They're neck and neck in my eyes. Oh, wow, both take you like the first overall pick. Interesting. Yeah, well, I thought I'd I'd start out um, 2018 Tina by really going out on some limbs here. Top two pick, yeah. Yeah, Uh, well, for example, like, I'd have Green over Ramos, and I I wouldn't think too hard about that. Them's fighting words. Yeah, I know, I know. Um... Well, you have to be the hipster and, and like your <laughs> Giants prospects went later. Hey, his name—he's got a phenomenal name. It's, that's I would really take him over Hunter Green in the in the name, the name draft. draft. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah we did. Um, yeah, yeah. But I have no problem with Gore here. I just would—I think I would couple Gore and Green together more closely. But given that there's one player separating them, uh, even I can't find a reason to be a piss boy about it. So, okay, that's fair. Uh, Brett, please tell Ben why he's wrong about Helio Ramos. Um, because he can hit the fuck out of the ball. Yeah, that's it. What's earning that's it. That label? Then why isn't he above Gore? I, I, really, li- I really like Gore. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, Brett, let me ask you this. It's off the top Ooh. of my head, so it, and comps always go poorly, but is there a reason for people not to get Max Freed flashbacks with Mackenzie Gore? I was I, almost going to think I think Gore is what people wanted Max Freed to be. Yeah. In myself included, um, but I think Gore is—I think Gore is the real—I think Gore is the real deal. And yeah, you know, Freed had some developmental hurdles, and he had Tommy John, and you know, it, it has not yeah. gone smoothly for him. But I—I—I uh, I, I am not—I am not dissuaded by uh, by what Max Freed has done. Um, yeah, obviously, you know the 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 injury is a big deal. I you know I do think like you you mentioned that he could have a pair of sevens with the fastball and the curve. I think the curve is closer now. The fastball is not premium velocity right now, but he could certainly grow into it. And I think that's something you're probably going to want to watch. You know, just in terms of keeping track of, I, I would watch his velocity. He's look, he's going to be great without it. He's got three pitches, all of that. But you know, that's that's one thing to keep an eye on. I I think. Well, and if, if history has told us anything, it's that, you know, putting all your hopes behind a lefty gore is always a sure bet to just pay off. So, <laughs> good, good point. Uh, so, Brett, I'm going to stick with you for a minute because I, I we're, we're still on arms. And I, I know Brett, uh, I know Ben likes this one, so I'm not going to make him say bad, bad words about him. But um, 
what was the gap between Shane Baz at 10 and Hunter Green at eight, even though there, there was a substantial gap uh, in, in their actual draft number, like the, in, the, in the first round? Yeah, I think there's a, a bigger gap than you would think, just because I did put the word gap in the, in the article a bunch of times. But, um, you know, I, don't, I, I didn't struggle with the decision to put Green ahead of, uh, ahead of Boz. I just, um, you know, I, I really like Roz's raw stuff. I think it's 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 really good. It's a, it's advanced for for a high school arm. I mean, it, the the guy who honestly the guy who Boz reminds me of. We're gonna get into you know pitchers who we ended up being disappointed in because of injury reasons, but um, is Shelby Miller. Um, mm. You know, it's not Texans with a fastball. I yeah, know. it's not it's not it's not the exact same profile, but yeah. it's that sort of, you know, guy who's just a little bit more overlooked than he should be in the first round of the draft has really has a good arsenal, a good fastball and and knows where he's knows where he's throwing it. And I, you know, it's a good organization for him. It's a good obviously it's a good park to end up in if he, you know, if he makes a major pirates and uh, I just I think he's got real you know SP two potential where um, you know where a lot of the names behind him really really struggle to find it. Yeah, no, I I, I think that makes sense, and I I didn't. Is it? Are you sure? Is this just your pronunciation of it being Boz, or am I am I wrong in saying Baz, or do we I'm just? Pretty not? sure it's Boz because his Twitter handle is the Wizard of Boz, I think. Oh, okay. That that makes sense. All right. So Ben, to you on Shane Boz. How many Boz Shane Boz Lerman jokes are you gonna make this year? Uh, probably zero because I understand the reference. Oh my god, Brett. Did is you it, at least know? Is it a reference that only old people would get? Because that would understand why you. It is. Favorite. It's it's a goddamn. It. it is. He, he is a movie director who I I assume still makes movies. I don't like any of them, but I you know. How old are the top, like, would Jay Bruce's face get it? How old is the reference? (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, it might be in a sweet spot where Jay Bruce would be too old to, Jay Bruce's face would be too old to get it. He did, like, Moulin Rouge, I think is his big one. He did Romeo plus Juliet. Okay. Does that, I'm really, even really hit the fuck out of here with these good references. (laughs) Moulin Rouge won awards. Come on. I hate it, but whatever. All right. Anyway. Uh, ben, I'm just going to try and move the heat off me by letting you speak on a big, beefy boy for a little bit. I, It's not rare for me to enjoy big, beefy boys, which, wow, what a sentence. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like Jake Berger, and I, I pushed Brett to uh, include him at the bottom end of this top ten here. Yes, there is definitely a risk that he does not remain at third base, but, uh, I mean, he's got big-time power, not just like the ball is juiced power. He's got real... 30 plus home run power, even in the context of how he thought of baseball a year or two ago. And uh, he's the guy I'm falling for. Every year I fall for one best shape of his life story. Uh, and there's a lot of Jake Berger best shape of his life stories coming out right now. So my hope is that he's a guy who can, you know, either fake it at third or at least play enough at third to retain eligibility for the first three to five years of his career. Um, and if he does that, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, 30 plus homers at third base potentially. So, um, it's not a very deep class, which I think should be pretty clear when you start to read some of Brett's captions. And in a class like this, I, I just really like Berger's upside over some of the other arms we're about to talk about. Okay, yeah. I, I, Brett, do you have anything to uh, to add to that? 
No, he's a he's a big boy in a small park. That's yeah. The dream. That's that's what you want to hear in a one sentence summation. Uh, so I'm not going to go through every single player. I just wanted to touch on those guys in the top ten. Eleven, I do want to touch on Brendan McKay. I'm I'm going to kind of talk for a, a little bit, and then Brett's going to tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, McKay obviously has the same kind of I don't want to say issue, but maybe intrigue that Shohei Otani does. He's a pitcher and a hitter. Uh, he's a first baseman when he plays in the field. It's more of a hit over power type, um, and and on the mound, he's more of a number three starter. It, am, I, am I wrong in any of that, Brett? Nope, that sounds. Okay. Uh, that sounds. Okay. So so my issue with that is we we know how we feel on this podcast about mid rotation starters, right? I mean, his his fastball is not an elite velocity. What he does have is elite command and elite control. Uh, it might not be elite command yet, but he has the chance to get there. It's very good control. He spots his fastball really well. He's got a good slider, uh, and and there's there's at least a semblance of a third pitch there. So there's a lot there present right now. But he's got a few things working against him that he's probably not going to add a ton. He's not the Mackenzie Gore mold in terms of his uh, physicality. And on top of that, he's uh, he's in the raised system, and they are notoriously slow with the way that they move their prospect along. And on top of that, he's got some developmental hurdles in that he's going to get time at first base as well. And then you go to the first base side, hit over power first baseman, uh, just are are not that valuable. I mean, we're, I think they struggle to to establish a ton of value. I think even with the the power at the major league level, I, I don't think we're talking about a thirty home run bat. So, what are you really getting here? How long until you get it? And then, you know, what what's um, you know what can go wrong along the way? It is kind of the way I'm looking at this because neither of these are. I'm not even going to say elite outcomes, but even you know, the, the tier below elite. They're not even great outcomes, in in my opinion. So why is he 11th? Yeah, I think I think you're selling his upside a little short, even though it's not great on either side. Um, I think he could be, I think he could be a very solid SP4 if he's a pitcher. Um, and I think, you know, he is a hit over power first baseman, but I, I do think he's capable of, of, of running up to running up to 25 homers. Um, uh, so I don't think, I don't think his upside as a hitter is, is low enough that it's, it's worth sort of flogging him over it. I, uh, yeah, I, the thing. Okay, about the so kid, let me, let me say, and, okay. So if that's what we're talking about upside, what do you think is likely for, for either uh, for, for both on the mound and, uh, you know, at first, I think on I think on the mound I think he is if if he ends up being developed as a starting pitcher I think he's likely a top forty to fifty starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. If he is developed as a hitter I think he is a you know somewhere between a somewhere between the tenth and fifteenth ranked first baseman. Okay, I I think. In terms of, I think that's his upside between 10 and 15 first base. I don't think he gets beyond that. Um, so I think his likelihood is is substantially lower. You know, uh, Ben, I you know I don't want to belabor a McKay thing, but he's a really interesting guy in my opinion. Obviously, it's it's more intrigue over upside. But you know, where do you weigh in on this? Just to, I think people would benefit from from the more that we can talk about this. 
Uh, this is an incredibly sexy opinion. I don't love him that much, but I think he's fine here because I'm looking at the names after him, and I don't see anyone I like much more. Um, I think Kyle Wright is a better pitching prospect, but I totally understand why McKay's multiple paths to value would let Brett place him here. Um, so I guess it has less to do with how much I love McKay and more to do with this is just a really shallow class and the rest of these guys don't don't move the needle for me very much. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so th- that that's the first two tiers. Uh, again, I'm not going to go person by person. From 12, who is Jaron Kendall, through 21, who's Pavin Smith, we have a tier. I'm just going to ask, Brett, who, who was the most likely – uh, to to make it look bad that they weren't in the top ten for you. Most likely to make it look yeah, bad. like 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 who do you think has the best likelihood of of busting out of this? You know what I mean? Um, I I am gonna go in a little different direction. Than I think you might think I'm gonna go with Seth Romero. Oh, I, that is different, but I don't disagree. I think that I. Romero is it's never it's never really been a question about talent with Romero um if he can figure out how to tap into that talent um then yeah I think I think he could easily uh he could easily uh you know be be the guy that you look back and wonder why he was so low on this list um he's got he's got sp2 upside he's got the same he's got the same upside that you know uh, that that Boz has and it's uh, you know he's a college arm, so he's he's more he, he's closer to it. He's he just there. There's a bridge that he needs to cross, and if he if he starts crossing it in 2018, that's it's yeah he he could make a big jump. Yeah, and you got to appreciate that he saved some mileage on his arm by getting suspended multiple times and ultimately thrown off his college team. Yeah, always appreciate that. Ben, Ben, same question to you. Hmm. Um. If Brett took Romero, you you can second it if you think that's the that's the way to go. No, I'll take. And and we talked about this a little bit the other night in an internal discussion. It's a boring answer because he's at thirteen, but Kyle Wright's not that bad. Yeah, I feel I, like I feel like he's getting dinged because he's not exciting. Um. But I mean, there's a chance he's a fairly fast moving SP three four. So I don't think it would ever look super, super silly that he wasn't in the top 11 here. But, I mean, he's certainly a much safer prospect than guys like Gora Ramos, Green, um, even Berger, I would say, because of the strikeout issues. So uh, we might just be underselling Wright's floor a little bit here. Yeah, and I actually think he's got more more upside than well, certainly Brett does, and I, I think I, I slandered you in the same in the G chat. I, I threw you together, so I'm proud of you for picking him. You know, I I would say that you know my answer is uh, this is going to surprise nobody, but Bubba Thompson, uh, who is <laughs> who is the Toolsy Rangers outfielder, uh, who has a hit tool not issue but risk, um, and and uh, yeah, I, I think. I, I like the kind of improvement he made with the hit tool over the course of his senior season, and I think he can can expand on it. That's going to surprise nobody. Um, Brett, can you just tell me the difference between Nick Prado, Pavin Smith, and uh, uh, Evan White? Honestly, like they're all just the same to me. Kinda. I think Prado could be more. Um, yeah. I think Smith is kind of locked into being 
what he is, um, which is, I mean, I put it in there. He's basically Matt Theis, but uh, having never caught, which, I mean, is, yeah, I think Smith can hit. I, I don't think the power is coming and not in a, not in a Brendan McKay. I don't think the power is coming in a, in a noticeable way. It's a, I don't, I don't think the power is coming. Like he might hit 10 home runs. Um, so uh, it, it's not, it's not a great fantasy profile. Uh, Evan White, it, God bless you if you're a hitter in the Mariners system. I, <laughs> I am hitters in the Mariners systems, pitchers in the Orioles systems. Just drop them all 15 spots immediately. Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out at you again, Brett. Make, defend yourself on Adam Hazley because I, again, I'm gonna quote you from the New York Mets event that that we had over the summer. You said he's a he's a power speed guy who doesn't hit for much power or run very much. It's true. That's that's not enticing. Yes, but look at the list behind him. This draft class. You put Drew Waters behind him. How dare you? That man has a glorious try. I really, really (laughs) like Drew Waters, but Drew Waters is very risky. I think Adam Hazley is a major leaguer, and he has a hit tool. And you know what? There's a chance that he could grow into a little bit. There's a chance he could grow into 20 homer power, especially in Philadelphia. And if he can hit... You know, if he can hit for a decent average, get to 20 homers and steal, you know, 10, 12 bases, that's that's a pretty good fantasy profile. I don't, I don't think he's necessarily going to get there, but um, you know, it's it's not a it's not a dull it's not a, it's not as dull of a fantasy profile as you think it is. If you say so, I, I just I just well, did. I just well, I I find it difficult to accept. Uh, can we just again? Uh, I'm so mad about the name Pavin. It's throwing me off. Uh, let me recover and talk. Brett, continue to talk about uh, Mark Vientos, who who I really like. Uh, he was a much lower pick, but he is part of your Mets system. Tell me w- what's great about him, and also how he's going to have suffer a career-ending injury. Yeah, I mean he's or disease. Go, go wild. He's probably going to fall into a bottomless pit. Um, but there's. You know he he's got he's got plenty of upside. He's extraordinarily young. Um, he was, I believe, the youngest player in the entire draft, or maybe the second youngest player. It, it, either way, it, he didn't turn eighteen until well after the season was over. Um, you know he's not a he's definitely not a shortstop, uh, but he could be a you know a power power hitting third baseman. You know it'll just take him a while, and he he might you know he might get struck by lightning before he gets there, but it's, it's possible. Okay. Um, Ben, I, I'm going to skip to number 24 on the list. Uh, Brent Rooker is outfielder probably going to end up a first baseman in the Minnesota system. He had a monster senior season. I I think he was in the sec. Brett can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but he he just put up monster numbers uh, in his draft year. And uh, kind of got the like Ben Intendi vibes because of, of the breakout year. I, again, I think it was in the SEC, which might have played into it. Uh, but he hit for a lot of a lot of power, a lot of swing and miss. Are, are you again, I know you you opt for some of these the beefier guys. I don't think he's he's in that that mold physically, but are you into this power um, power hitter or are you are you laying off? Um, well, yeah, it was the SEC, so you're right there. Okay. I mean, Excellent. I think I'm into him because there is no buzz about him, as far as I can tell, at all. Yeah. Um, like, I know he's 24 here, and that might raise his profile a little bit, but 
I don't think I've heard his name mentioned. He's also 23 in life, we should mention. Mm-hmm. That's that's one, one thing working against him. Yeah, sure, there are definitely warts here, but I think that... Uh, God, not to beat a dead horse here, but this is just not a very inspiring draft class. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're, I think you're justified taking him over some of the guys who went, you know, much earlier than him. I mean, if you wanted to take Brent Rooker over Pavin Smith, I don't, I don't think that's not a justifiable choice. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's fair. I, you know, he, he lifts the ball a lot and, and, you know, he hit for average despite a really high K rate. He walks a lot. I mean, you have to like all of those things. The position is, is concerning, right? But it, at the same time, it, it is legitimate power. I mean, he had 18 home runs in 62 games uh, between rookie and, and high A. He, he had, you know, he hit for power and average well, at and high A. Yeah, that's the thing is like some of those age concerns start to go away if he's already at high A. Yeah. Uh, not that 23 is super young for high A, but, you, you know, he's not he's not 23 in, in short season. Right. Um, so that does mitigate a little bit of the advanced age concerns. Yeah, the, the Twins are going to be aggressive. I'm going to I'll throw this out. He's going to be on our Twins top 10 and the Twins are which is which is coming out Friday. We'll see if that's a preview or not, because I don't know when we'll get to post this. But but he the Twins top 10 is actually quite good. Um, it, it's a deep system with, with a lot of upside and he, he might not have the upside to match some of the guys on this list or that list, but I, I think there's, there's definitely risk in the strikeout rate, but there's, there's a, there's a decent amount to like too. And, and again, like you said, no buzz. I think there's probably a lot of value there. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's, God, there's so many names and so many of them are, are uninteresting. Uh, I, I just give me two guys you like and two guys you really don't. Each of you, really quick. Brett, let's start with you. Um, two guys I like and two guys I don't. Um, I like uh, I like Sam Carlson, um, the right hander in Seattle. Um, you know, there he's not a dead man walking like all of their hitting prospects, but um. You know he's a he's a low profile, um, you know prep arm who who I think has you know a, a pretty has a pretty good chance of being a, a fantasy contributor at least in terms of prep arms. Uh, I mean it's it's just it's it's really kind of shitty down here. Um, I, I like Dalton Varsho a lot mm-hmm. uh, from a bat perspective. It's not a real name, but go ahead. It's yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, it, he's. He's not a good he's not a good shot to stick at catcher, um, but he's got the athleticism and the potential with the bat that he could have fantasy value even if he has to move off the position. So, um, okay, real real quick, two guys you don't. Two guys I don't. Uh, David Peterson sucks. Um, I don't need to go on to any more than that. I, he's just not he's not someone you want to own, um, and. I am. Uh, well, let me scroll back up. Uh, I will. I will say that I am. I am not getting particularly excited about the return of Miles. Miles Mikolas. Um, I think at best he's a back end starter, and at worst he's just a waste of time. Okay, um, Ben, where, where are you going? And then I'll I'll throw a couple names out as well. Okay. 
All right, uh, the two guys that I – well, the first guy I like is Ryan. I don't know if it's Velade or, or Villad. I don't know how you want to say, say it. say it as, as messed up as you thought. Right, uh, Ryan, Robert. Um, I The Rockies have a really good uh, – the, they're the opposite of the Orioles or, or Mariners like we were talking about earlier. They have really good success with guys with his profile. Um, and while, you know, the more the more years I do this, the less and less I factor in – a potential future in course for someone as far away as he is. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very slight contextual boost there too. So he's someone who I would probably have a few slots higher other than that. Um, God, it's just a bad list. I guess I hate guys with this profile, but out of guys with this profile, I liked Nate Pearson more than I thought uh, I would. I, said, I was going to say him. Um, cool. I, I think he's not that far from, from, uh, Sam Carlson, frankly, is just big arms and, and stuff like that. I, I yeah, like that I didn't lot. I didn't know a lot about him, but um, you know, when his name popped up in the Blue Jays top ten list, I didn't because I didn't know it. I did some research into him, um, and I think when we do the he won't he won't sniff the top one hundred one. But when I do the list after that, uh, I'll probably end up plugging him a little bit as sort of a a guy I like for someone with his profile. Uh, in terms of guys I don't like, Brett stole one of my answers with Nicholas. I'm not not in on him at all. Uh, yeah. And I'm also totally out on DL Hall, be- literally because he is an Orioles starter. Um, name, he's an name Orioles DL. DL. What did I say? No, no, I'm just saying. Oh, his, well, right. The irony of all. The irony of all ironies. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, I'm I'm stunned you didn't stump for Logan Warmuth. I thought we were going to get well, into that. I I don't think he's as bad as you do, but I yeah, mean, I think uh, he's fine at 32. Like whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's fine. Um, I. I like Tristan Lutz. He's 26. I think it was a good, aggressive uh, ranking. He's a Brewers. Was he actually in the second round or first supplemental? Um, He's still in the supplemental, I thought. Uh, yeah, so so maybe so, but I think he was their second pick. I, I think he's got some upside. He's got some pop. It's it's very much pull side, but he's an interesting guy. I think people know about him, to, to be honest. Um I was going to say a guy I don't love as much as Logan Warmoth. I, I think we've talked about it. It's just it's a smattering of useful tools, but nothing that's going to be a standout or or really separate himself from from many other shortstop. And I think ultimately, even at the major league level, it's just going to get get washed out. Um, another name that that I do like, I, you know, I like Chris Sice um, from from the Rangers. Fancy that I like another Rangers draft pick. He really hit. <laughs> Um, after after he was drafted, and I, I think he's a good bet to stick at shortstop. Yeah, I, it's it's just someone who I really like, and uh, again, someone I don't like as much. And this has nothing to do with tools, uh, but Wander Franco for the Rays. I mean, just we're gonna get another Dusty from Colorado up in every goddamn chat asking about another Wander Franco. I, I can't. Oh, that's Wander Javier, but it's a Wander carryover, and I can't I can't get with it. I'm I'm out on him on the name, just on the name Wander. So, um, Jeter, Jeter might like him though. Yeah, Jeter. No else. No else. But you know who else Jeter might like who had no else? Enya. Welcome back to episode 97 uh, of Tino. Another change we're making is I am no longer going to try to cleverly tie in 
the first segment into our welcome back because usually I'm at least one drink in at this point. And frankly, the effort is not worth the reward. So our second segment is going to be the uh, first 2018 edition of our positional breakdown. So those of you who know us and have been with us for a few years now understand that every year at BP, uh, basically once the new year starts, we go very, very in-depth from a fantasy point of view, uh, about one catcher a week leading, uh, one position a week, excuse me, leading up to the season. So this week it's catcher, and up on BP right now, we have every sort of ranking and analysis you could want. We have sleepers, we have staff pick and avoid, we have three-year rankings, dynasty rankings, rankings just for 2018, get to know just about catcher prospects, uh, and we have Brett's dynasty ranking list, which is what we are going to speak about now. Uh, so Brett, I will continue the key metaphor because we can't get rid of everything that people love about Tino, and I will toss the medical keys to you. Metaphorical, not the medical no, keys. No, medical the keys. Med- the medical keys. All right, well, I guess you have both. You have both. Yeah. Um, Watch out for the health injuries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um we are uh, we are going to talk about catchers, but we are not going to talk about catchers for very long because, uh, frankly, in Dynasty League, catchers are not particularly interesting. Um, they don't have much uh, they don't have much value on the trade market. If you have a good one, you're not even thinking about the position for a, a number of years. If you have a bad one, you've either just given up or you're trying to get one of the handful of good ones. Um, so why don't we? talk about the good ones and just make sure that these are in the right order and then kind of talk about guys that we guys that we like to uh guys that we like to you know potentially be you know top 10 options in the future because i think you know i I think figuring out the guys who are going to be in the top 10 or 12 or 15 for 2018 um i think is less interesting because uh, they all kind of look the same um, but, uh, let, let's start all the way at the top. Um, there, uh, Craig, is there, uh, is there any doubt for you that Gary Sanchez is the clear number one fantasy catcher in dynasty leagues? No. Okay. Ben? <laughs> uh, no, I can't even fake argue. Okay. Um, so, uh, my number two catcher is, is Wilson Contreras. Um, I have him, uh, leapfrogging. Buster Posey, uh, not for 2018 reasons, but for, uh, you know, 2020 and beyond reasons. Uh, Ben, do you, do you think the combination of the upside and the youth, um, pushes Contreras ahead of Posey or are you still, are you still going with our, our known, our known leader? As long as they're in the same tier, I'm fine, but you're barking up the wrong tree if you want me to be the anti-Wilson Contreras voice. Fair enough. So be the pro-Wilson Contreras voice. What do, you, what do you expect out of him? He's young, and I think he is at least going to retain catcher eligibility for the next while, especially as long as Joe Madden, who I hate but who is creative, uh, is his manager. And I think that within the next two years, his offensive potential uh, – could surpass Posey. I think Posey's a little, I don't know, maybe a little underrated in Dynasty right now. I certainly wouldn't drop him any lower than three. I guess I should say Posey's near-term impact is is a, perhaps becoming a little bit underrated. Um, but 
given the abuse Posey has taken, it would not surprise me if by 2020 or so, Contreras is the better option. Uh, and given the age difference in a dynasty league, that's enough to just nudge him ahead. But they do belong in the same tier for me. Okay. Um, let's let's go down slightly lower and and give Craig the the opportunity to talk about Francisco Mejia a little bit, who, who checks in at number four. Um, what do you expect out of Mejia in 2018? Um, because a lot, you know, I think we all kind of have an idea of what Mejia can be long term, um, but you know the 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 tricky part about figuring out what your plan is at catchers if you have Mejia, do you need a more solid 2018 option uh even if they have much lower uh ceiling than the uh than the young potential stud yeah i, I think you do I, and and i don't think it's close I, there's a lot to love about Mejia, and i've been speaking his praises for what feels like a decade now um but but it's only been five years uh but he was only at double A last year and he was really good at double A, but he hasn't had any triple A seasoning. He got, you know, a cup of coffee in the majors and, and was very much overmatched there. And I, so I don't think it's a guarantee, you know, they have, uh, Jan Gomes who has been out and out terrible. Uh, and they have Roberto Perez who can't hit at all and is a very good defensive catcher who they, who they like a lot and who frankly their lineup, you know, they don't need production out of catcher to, I mean, first of all, that division is terrible. So I don't think they have a huge incentive to, to rush Mejia for his bat. And secondly, you know, they, they have guys who they trust to handle their pitchers, which I think they value a little bit more. I All of this to say, I don't think they're going to be, I, I don't think they're going to be rushing him. I don't think he's necessarily going to be in the majors until after, I, I think it could be July. Um, is, is that, do you think that's crazy? No, I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I, I think, you know, I, I think he was he was close to Perez and Romuto just because I'm I am very concerned about what his 2018 value is yeah, going to look yeah. like. Um, no, I, I love the long term. I, I mean, I'm I'm a little. I, I think there are people who who I've seen say that that it seems like he's moving in the direction of being a third baseman. I don't I don't think that's true. Um, I, I think it's something they wanted to see about his flexibility and to see how they could maybe work him in because they do have these two other catchers and potentially, you know, they can play Kipnis in the outfield or on the DL, which seems very possible. Um, and Jose Ramirez at second base. And that way they could, you know, they just have more depth in their system. I, I'm not too worried about him being a third baseman long term. And I'm definitely not worried about him losing catcher eligibility over it you know fantasy I think yeah that's that's yeah. way overblown in Dan, in dynasty circles right now yeah yes, and, and it just it's because and and i mean the bottom line is i like i said it, it's not going to be an eligibility issue he might play more third base but if he retains that eligibility that's good news frankly um assuming his bat can justify getting in the lineup every day and and i i'm less worried about that the that than most um so yeah, that's that's my Mejia spiel. Yeah, um, I don't think there's anyone else who we absolutely need to uh, to to cover here. So why we we'll do a little lightning round, and then I'll give you guys a chance to talk about one or two guys on this list that you think you know should get a little bit more a little bit more love or a little less love than they they are getting. Um, ben, how many? 
how many 25 home run seasons will Mike Zanino have for the rest of his career? Oh, God. Uh, how old R- is- RIP, Meg. Let's just... R. Yeah, yeah. Pour one out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how old is Zanino now? Like 27, 28, 26. Four. Okay. Um, Craig, will JT Real Muto ever steal double digit bases again? Yeah, I think so. I, 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 I'm, let me just say, I acknowledge the risk in it, but he's really athletic and, and I think he can. I mean, he was at eight last year. I, I don't think it's, it's necessarily, um, I, I know these guys stop running and stop running a lot, you know. Uh, it drops off the table, I should say. But uh, I, I think there's actually a decent chance he does it next in, in 2018. I wouldn't expect it for a long term, though. Okay. Ben, over under on Jorge Alfaro's strikeout to walk rate, nine and a half. And part two, do you care? Under and no. Same. <laughs> um, Craig. What the hell is going on in in Dodgerland behind the plate? Yeah, I think I saw you answer a question on on Twitter today about Austin Barnes as someone going from underrated to overrated already. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I I think you know I'm on board with that. I, I've never been the most Austin Barnes guy in the room, but I, look, he had a great year, and I think he's you know he's short to the ball. He makes a lot of great contact. He doesn't hit for any power. I mean, it's, it's like it, it's. It's like JT Real Mudo without the speed uh, and maybe a little bit less average. Like, I don't know what the appeal is from a fantasy sense. I mean, if you want a guy who's just you can throw back there and you can get by, I think that's fine. I I ultimately think he'll be in a platoon with Grandal. I think Grandal's a free agent at the end of this year, so it's not a not necessarily a long-term issue. But I, I think he'll be in a platoon with Grandal, and you're, I'm going to get people responding or thinking to themselves, yeah, but he hits righties really well. Yeah, he does, but but Grandal is still really useful as a, as a lefty. He's always been better as a lefty, and I, I think his framing is still really good, as is Barnes, and the Dodgers benefit the most from splitting them up and keeping them uh, refreshed and you know, so they don't wear down over the course of the season. And, and if any of them, if either one of them is on a monster tear, they'll probably stick with that guy for a little bit until he tires out. So I, I don't think there's a lot of fantasy value just because they're they're not going to get a ton of time each. Yep, that's fair. I am I am not on the Austin Barnes bandwagon like uh, everyone on Twitter seems to be, but uh, I am very comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, ben, uh, how many more top ten catcher seasons does Yadi Molina have in him? Uh, nineteen. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. So the Cardinals are going to play him until he... I don't know. At what age do humans physically decompose? Like at what uh, point? Okay, if I'm going to go off my own experience, 24. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's extremely bad news then. Yeah. Uh, how many more top 10 seasons does Molina have? Three. I want to say zero, but I, I, he's weird. Three. Carson Carson Kelly's going to be an amazing twenty-seven-year-old rookie. Thirty-seven-year-old <laughs> rookie at this point. Good, good point. Yeah, I'm waiting for that Yachty extension to kick in. A, a new one. Don't worry. Um, a new one. 
Craig, give us the uh, give us the thirty second fantasy introduction to uh, Kyber Ruiz. Oh, Kyber. Uh, he is a switch hitting catcher. Uh, he's gonna get. I think he's gonna get like a, a big recognition value bump because he he already spent a little bit time a little bit of time in the California League and he hit really well as a nineteen year old there. He's got the tools to stick at the position. I'm I'm honestly not worried about that too much. Uh, he makes a ton of contact. He hasn't struck out more than 15% uh, of his plate appearances at any single stop, no matter how short or or, or long. Um, he's he's not going to hit for like a ton of power. He had eight home runs last year, six of them in in under 40 games in the Cal League. That's that's what uh, those environments are like. But he he has a solid approach. He makes a lot of contact. Uh, as usual, he's got more power in his left-handed swing, but he hits for average. I mean, he again, he was he's 19 years old right now. He's going to start next season as a 19-year-old. He hit 317 in low A. He hit 315 in high A. There's there's a lot to like, and he's someone who, frankly, we we ranked fourth on the Dodgers list, and we got feedback from the industry that that was low. Um, and, and other sites, if you want to go outside VP, I think BA and, and others, you know, other sites, I think had him at least three, if not higher. So, um, this is not a case of, of me being biased as a, as a Dodgers fan or anything like that. This is someone that, that organ, the organization really likes other people really like, I, I mean, I think, look, you know, my, I have a fetish with fantasy catchers, but he's, he is. I think he's the real deal, and his value is going to explode. I think he reached double A by the end of next season as a 20-year-old, and there's just a lot of long-term value there. If you're going to make me call someone, look, I hear you, Brett. You're you're demanding that I call someone the next Francisco Mejia. It's Kyber Ruiz. Yeah, I, I yeah, I put that in the in the column too. It's it, you know, I didn't even read that. I'm just saying, I, it just happened. Fair enough. It's natural. Yeah. Um, Ben, who is the best? Uh, who is the best dynasty league uh, catcher right now in the Boston Red Sox? It's still Swihart because Vasquez is not going to have a ten billion BABIP forever. Um, yeah, I mean it's just just stay away from the entire situation, right? Because Vasquez, the best you're ever getting out of Vasquez is an empty average. Um, and while Swihart could be good, the odds of that at this point are what, 10%? Um, so unless you have a magic, uh, eight ball, which actually this is not how magic eight balls work. Uh, but unless you had a magic eight ball that could tell you specific times and you know, the three weeks when Sandy Leone is going to turn into Johnny bench this year, cause he does that every year. Um, other than that, just stay away from it. All right. Um, Craig pick, uh, one catcher in the back. From the back twenty of the list, so from thirty-one to fifty, who you think I am underselling? Oh God! Oh man! Okay, just can I pick? Can I pick a heavy sigh? Yeah, you can. <laughs> I have an I have an answer for this. Ben, please save me. I think. <laughs> I think if we're having this conversation in a year, we could be talking about Ronaldo Hernandez the way we're oh, talking about Kyber Ruiz off. now. Which is the way that we were talking about Francisco Mejia. You're such a dick. (laughs) So you're saying Ronaldo Hernandez is the next, next Frankie Mejia? Yes, exactly. We need to do, do Ben, you're going to be too young to not remember. Brett, do you remember when ESPN did that, that entire whole thing of who's next? 
Oh, I remember like a bracket. Shut no, up. I was writing blog Shut posts up. about. If you don't know Boz Lerman. You don't get to talk about this. <laughs> I think we need to do a just an entire catcher thing of who's next for the next Francisco Mejia. Who was the previous Francisco Mejia? That's the real question. The previous Francisco Mejia was it? Tra- was it Travis Darnell? Oh God. No, that was Swihart. It was Swihart. Yeah, yeah okay. was, I think it was Swihart. Yeah, yeah, like Switch hitter with a hit tool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. No, George, shut up. I'm not <laughs> talking about Austin Barnes again. God, that man. is the that is the second George shut up of the podcast, even if it's the first audible one. <laughs> um, um, okay, I need to give you an answer here. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say I, I like the Ronaldo Hernandez answer just because even though he is a catcher, uh, it, it's a hit first profile, which I you have to appreciate as a fantasy owner. Um, you know, okay, I'll I'll go with uh, with Danny Jansen. He's mm-hmm. a he's uh, on the Blue Jays list that we just published. If you want to get some more information, but he's one of he's another one of these swing change guys. I don't know if it's real or not. So here's the deal: if it's real, I think this is going to look bad, and he and he should be higher. Uh, he he's older, uh, but he really uh, he really tore up the first level he was at, and he leveled off at double. I think he was at high A. Yeah, he was at high A to start the year. Three sixty nine, four twenty two, five forty one. Now three. First, what was that? Three what? 362 369 I'm sorry. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh and so but he played the majority of the season at Double A. He still hit 291 there. It was not the same type of slash line. He is 22 already. He'll be 23 for the 2018 season. So th- there's a lot of risk here, but ultimately what it could end up being and I think this is what Ben uh put in the in the fantasy blurb, but Look, if he's at, he played at AAA this year as well, so he's going to be close to the majors. And if he can hit for that kind of power, and again, he hit for he slugged 552 in in 21 games at AAA. That's really that's enough to be fantasy relevant and to be much higher on this list than the Cameron Rupps of the world. So, uh, you know, it's not a this isn't a, a full throated sell job for for Danny Jansen, but uh, it, it's someone who could definitely be underranked at this moment if if the swing change is for real uh, I, brett i have my first and only catcher hot take before we uh before I we move it's on about number oh, is it about number you can you can transition right from this catcher hot take into your topic no no i can't um okay. sorry i uh, this is this is this is gonna be bold you ready uh-huh I think ranking Zach Collins ahead of Chance Disco and Kiba Ruiz is indefensible at this point. Wow. Whoa. I don't think there's a good argument for it. I think there's a good argument for it. Well, you ranked them ahead, so I assumed. I assumed what's, what's the, yeah, let's settle it with that and leave people. What, what's, <laughs> the argument? what's your argument? I, I Look, Zach Collins, I, I, he's never going to hit for a great average. Is, it, is believe- it because he's what you wanted Matt Vice to be? Basically, I I believe in Collins's power, and I do believe that this year Collins's main his, his number one focus was getting better behind the plate, and his number two focus was getting better behind the plate. And I think his offense lagged behind for those reasons. I think he but, is. But better. did did he get better behind the plate? He got uh, better enough. I think I I don't think that's clear. I think I think he can maintain eligibility. 
Okay. Well, Cisco at this point is a lock to be a major leaguer who's going to have catcher eligibility for at least a little bit of time. And we're saying Ruiz could be the next Mejia. So I don't, I, I, I don't see it at all. Collins is not, we'll argue about this in a few weeks, but Collins is not a top 101 guy for me. And it's not, I don't think it's particularly close. Excited to see this argument in G chat. Let's cannot, do it. Cannot. It's going to, it's going to end up with Brett ranking him like 91st. Cause the way we do it is because I'm, I'm actually, what I'm extremely excited about is, and this is probably just because they were, that he was a white Sox catcher. You have Tyler flowers right behind him. Zach Collins is going to be, he's going to put together a Tyler flowers, 2017 season in like five years for the A's or some crap. Yeah, He's at first base. Fantastic. Yeah, sure, whatever. Or it's the A's, so maybe in center field. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ben, why don't you why don't you take us into the final topic? Okay, um, so the one thing I wanted to talk about, which is not dynasty related, but just because, uh, well, Twitter is always garbage. Twitter is always bad, and it never improves your mood. But there are a few things as uniquely miserable as off-season baseball Twitter. So I just wanted to take maybe two to three minutes each. No, let's say let's say three minutes total uh, to to vent about our least favorite parts of off-season Twitter. Uh, and mine, uh, and it's I have so many poorly poorly crafted snarky tweets to this, but mine is just the the gross overreaction to any player costing any money ever. So at the point where any good player is actually bad because he has a big salary, any okay player is actually bad because he costs more than um, uh, a guy you can pull up from the minors. So uh, like people are pissed about Jay Bruce right now. Jay Bruce is going to make is 30 years old and he's a productive hitter and he's going to make $13 million a year, which is essentially nothing in today's MLB. And people are the most butthurt about it. Or Eric Hosmer could decide to play for free and donate $4 million a year to charity. And we'd have people complaining about how it doesn't work for tax reasons and he's going to block Dom Smith. So I'm just very over the, the Twitter Everybody is bad. I'm too cool to want any player ever. Uh, if Mike Trout was a free agent, these people would bitch and moan if someone gave him $400 million. So uh, I hate it, and I hope that Eric Hosmer signs a $200 million contract and buys a fleet of buses that says, Suck it, nerds, and drive <laughs> every, every VP or Fangraphs conference from now to the end. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. I, I was not expecting the bus part, but... I, I, I don't know how to follow that up. Very excited for someone to say, yeah, well, buses aren't the most efficient form of travel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why don't you just race a car on your farm system and they'll give you a Prius? Fuck you. Are they, are they fuel-efficient buses? <laughs> uh, okay, so I'll, I'll go next. Uh, so my thing is a very, very pet peeve thing, uh, but I really just – there's – I feel like – and maybe it's just because nothing is happening and we're, and the excitement over Jay Bruce signing a deal with the Mets is is proving this. But we're all turning on each other, and, and I'm more than happy to jump in and turn on everybody who does quote this tweet with whatever. And then I see that and some piece of information that I don't give a flying fuck about, about 90 billion people because everyone's retweeting each other. I don't even follow that many people. Okay, and yet people are constantly retweeting other people and then adding their own two cents. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care about any of it. I don't care what you know what you think is a Christmas movie. I don't care uh, why you block people. I don't care why someone's blocked you. I don't care 
what your little league story is. I don't care about any of it. And I understand. I can just not follow these people. I understand that this is my problem. But you know what? I'm also one third of this podcast, so I don't give a fuck. I, that, that's just how I feel. I love how you snuck in that. I don't even follow that many people. Just a, class, just a classic Craig uh, aside. It was perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Nothing like um, being self, self-aggrandizing. That's true. All right. I guess this leaves me. So I'll I'll do the um uh, I'll do the, the rant that, that some of you probably expected to hear from somebody. I have nothing but uh, respect for what uh, Ryan Thibodeau does in putting together the ballot tracker. But I have uh, Twitter has made me really not give a fuck about the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's yeah. such a great one. I'm so jealous. I you know I am now old enough that I remember watching all of these players pitch like vividly i remember how good they were um i don't care who makes the hall of fame scott Rowland was really good i don't care if he falls off the ballot vladimir guerrero was amazing to watch i don't care if he makes the hall of fame i can just I, can don't I add to this? fucking care can i add to this absolutely uh i don't care i what i what i super duper don't care about is people who are like, this guy's not a Hall of Famer, but he deserves to be on the ballot for more than one year. Uh, yeah. Please, <laughs> if he's not a Hall of Famer, just let's move the hell on. Can we, please? I'm begging I, you. Yes. My, my, I, I will say, I, 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 that, that is my stance on the offseason Hall of Fame thing. The only thing I do like is seeing the people who have, so little to do that they complain about the people who make the ballot who won't get any votes as opposed to the people who didn't make the ballot who won't get any votes like the people who were compl- i think this year was javier vasquez the people were complaining didn't make the sheet mm-hmm. javier vasquez yep no I, that was actually a thing uh, he would have gotten one vote no votes probably who cares <laughs> who cares <laughs> Guys, how excited are you for when Eric Hosmer is on the Hall of Fame ballot? Oh my I'm sure Twitter won't be a thing then, but if it I is, hope he has five World Series uh, MVPs. Somehow. I hope he gets we'll in still first be, ballot. Well, being just this good, not I any want, better, not any I want, I want this good Edgar, five MVPs. I want Edgar Martinez to make the Hall of Fame, but a future with with Eric Hosmer in the Hall of Fame and Eric Hos- and Edgar Martinez not in it would almost be worth it just for the Twitter reactions. Yeah, Yeah. In in 20 years, the three of us are going to be Hall of Fame voters, and when Cosmer qualifies for the ballot, we are going to all write, we're going to handwrite Enya on the ballot, check the box, and mail it down. Yeah, and, and the other thing I want to say is like I much respect to people like like Ryan who care about this stuff or like Jay Jaffe who created a freaking metric for it and and does a ton of good work on it. I, I, I totally respect that. But here's it, it's just like it just doesn't matter. Like the grading of ballots that we do is just insufferable to me. Like, you know, Ryan posts a ballot that someone has and and I respect him for doing that. He doesn't he generally doesn't pass judgment al- almost ever. But then you know people I see 15 quotes of his tweet being like this is a good ballot. This is a bad ballot. This is who cares? 
Like, stop grading ballots. It, grading people, grading other people is just the sort <laughs> of meta shit that I thought we left behind in 2014. We need to move on. Yes, and also the people who look at ballots who they think are good and grade them based on what they think the correct ballot is. Correct. No, fuck you. There is no correct ballot. Yeah, I, I, I just, and the other thing is, like, again, much respect to the people who care about it, but... Craig, do you do you respect people who care about it? I can't tell. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you for asking. I wanted to clarify that. But the Hall of Fame is so broken and has has people out that should be in and people in that should be out, and it's never going to be fixed. And like, let's let's just stop giving it credence. Go, let's you know, go stop for creating a new one. I'll support that, and then you can you can make it as stringent as you want or as right as you want, however you think that is. But the current one is so you know it, it's it's fucked five ways from Sunday. Just move on. Yes, we do have to talk about the fact that Brett and yet the podcast and you blew right by it, Craig. Right by it. Yeah, I have white hot rage going in my head right now. That's a that's a fifteen yard penalty for unnecessary roughness on Enya. Episode 97 of Tino. As always, we'll send you out with a little housekeeping. Be sure to hop on Baseball Prospectus over the next few weeks to catch up with our fantasy positional series. As I mentioned earlier, it contains everything from rankings just for 2018 to three-year rankings, dynasty rankings, expert picks to target and avoid, uh, prospect deep dives, anything you could want. It is a great primer for the upcoming fantasy season, and we hope you enjoy and it's worth pointing out that we are also in the home stretch for our top 10 IRL prospect lists, too. You can follow us on Twitter at Tino Podcast and get in touch with us through email at tinopodcast at gmail.com. You can find Brett at SayerBP. You can find Craig at CD. That's CD as in. Can't discuss the Hall of Fame without blowing past any references. Goldstein. You can find our producer, George, at George Bissell, and you can find me at Ben Carsley. Thank you for listening, and have a good night.
Whoa. It will That's still be loud. Cool. Let's be real. But it won't be as loud. But it won't be deafening? That's apparently the, uh, yeah. He had his microphone on the, like, basically the surround sound setting. So it was picking up the keyboard pretty pretty loud because of that. Oh, it sure was, George. Yeah. It sure was. <laughs> I go, I go, I Dude, literally what? said to him, I said, do you have your microphone on the right setting? And he said, I, I didn't know there were settings. Yeah, I didn't I'm know. I'm old. That I'm officially old. Yeah, that's what did it. <laughs> Dude, what, what mic do you have, then? Uh, I have a Yeti. George, we're, we're changing the entire course of Tino tonight. 97 episodes in. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.